powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello! Hey, everybody. Hi. Thank you so much. Please sit. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. This episode is brought to you today by the fine folks at BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. That's BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. So before we jump into this episode, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guests, Omni Amrani and his wife and partner, Julie Rablat Amrani. What a great interview, and the feedback was truly immense, not only from Duval Nation, but also from the art world. If you've not had a chance to hear our in-depth interview, I strongly encourage you to check it out at the conclusion of this episode. So up in episode 168, and we have a great episode lined up for you today. We have on the show Amy Scruggs. Now, Amy is a jack-of-all-trades in the form of a TV host, a media coach, a published author, and a celebrated recording artist. Her latest single, What If It All Goes Right, is out right now. We discuss how Amy got into music, her methods in media coaching, her book, and so much more. So let's get Amy out here to tell her story. Duval Nation, please join me in welcoming to the show, calling in today from our home in San Diego, California, media personality and musician, Amy Scruggs. <laughs> Amy, hello. Welcome to the Dark Duval Show. How is the weather out by you today? Well, it's San Diego, so it's always sunny and 75, with the exception of the first quarter of this year. And we're actually asking, I think, for a tax refund because we are used to 75 and sunny. <laughs> I lived in San Diego for five years, and it was the most beautiful weather all year round you could ever ask for. It Very expensive it really place to live, is. but it's beautiful. Yeah, it's a little pricey. It's a little painful. But yes, it's worth <laughs> it. We go, oh, but we love it so much. <laughs> I, was over on, I was over on Coronado Island. That's where I was oh, stationed at. And you it can't was, get better than that. Yeah, yeah. I've been there, yes. Yeah. I've been state. I've been on, on base over there as well. Oh, right. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I start my interviews off the same way, and that is, you know, with the pandemic now coming to an end, how was it for you living in the COVID-19 world? Wow. It really, I think for everybody, we have that experience. If we can share the stories, how it rocked our world. I think there's a lot more of a vast difference with a lot of individuals of whether it crumbled you or whether we came through and said, I came out retooled. I'd like to say that maybe I'm a hybrid. I do felt there were some moments of crumbling, especially as a mom of, of young adults and a teenager that was home and all of that that was taking place. But I really did use it a time to say, how can I connect to more people? How can I retool? And we don't know how long this is. How can I come out of this hopefully better? Because it was such a weird unknown for the world. But for me, because I live on camera, because I was already doing a lot of media coaching, I also watched the world unfold. And I went, wait, this is opportunity because everyone's on camera now. And mm -hmm. that's what I help with. So I definitely took it as a time to go, wow, there's so many people I could be helping right now. And that was really my mindset that I just went in 
And I think I've been sitting here in this seat since the pandemic started. I don't think I've left this room. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny you say that, you know, with the world went on lockdown, especially, you know, in, this, in the entertainment industry, people who would normally never come on podcasts, they had nothing but free time on their hands. Yes. So some of these people who had no business being on podcasts went on podcasts. Boy, that's, that's the truth. And it was, it was, it was amazing. It really was a great time for the podcasting world in a very sad area of, of human history. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born and what was it like to grow up there? I was born in Southern California, so this has always been home. I was just a little bit further north up in L.A. County. And so I'm used to sunshine through my whole life, but born in Southern California, but raised on country music, which is unusual. <laughs> I get asked a lot about being a recording artist, a country recording artist, but from Southern California. But the last name is Scruggs, so it chose me. Really ah, didn't yeah. have, right? You can't, you can't have any other genre with the last name of Scruggs. But Southern California is home. My husband and I have six kids total, four of mine, two of his combined, blended, beautiful. Everybody's grown, last one in college, and has been a really unusual, crazy, eventful life. Aging from 33 down to 17 is the range that we have, plus a lot of big full careers. So I found it to be a really great place to raise the kids though, Southern California. There's a lot of things that we can do. It's expensive. There's a lot of traffic and everything that goes with it, but there's also a lot of great opportunity and no opportunity to really be bored. There's no excuses here, I think. You know, it's funny you say that. Uh, we have a guest not long ago, Presley Tennant, who is out in uh, California. She does what's called California country, I guess. That's the genre yes. that they do and what have you. And I was about to ask you about that, so I'll just go ahead and skip it right now, is what about country music do you feel appeals to so many people? I think it's changed over the years. I don't even know if I could answer that with some of today's country because now I've been around a long time. And so I grew up on the country music in the 70s and 80s and 90s and early 2000s. And I think there was a lot of storytelling. You felt connected to the artist in a real way. I think there was just, it felt like home. There was something about country music. Now it's changed a little bit. I'm having a harder time connecting with some of the new country, even though I'm out there as an artist with new country right now. I'm trying to bring a little bit more of that relatability back into it. But I think that is the word. It was really relatable in a way that no other genre was. I think it really reached people right where they were at in highs and lows. Mm. You know, you're saying, you know, the name Scruggs Country chose you. Were you wanting to be a singer from an early age? Yes. I started playing piano by ear at three and I was already singing at that age as well. And I just knew I started practicing the national anthem on the fireplace with a hairbrush. By the time I was five, I'm like, this is what I will be doing. And I kind of claimed it. And at the time I would say when I grew up, I wanted to be Barbara Mandrell. I thought that was literally the epitome of what I wanted to become. And I would watch her show on TV. I would put on shows in the backyard by the time I was eight and charge the neighborhood kids to come in and watch me for a quarter. So I was always kind of going in that direction. It was definitely in me. Were you like Rachel Green from Friends? You've accepted your Grammy with a soap bottle or something like that? Yes, that is me. <laughs> I really relate to her. That's really good. I like that. <laughs> so the, you said you learned piano by ear. How many instruments can you play? You know, I, unfortunately, I stopped with piano. I don't know what I was thinking because I have my youngest daughter who plays five instruments. I'm like, how'd you do that? And my oldest son plays guitar. Why did I not expand on that? But I just kind of got hyper-focused, I think, stuck with the piano and the voice and said, well, that works. But in hindsight, I do regret not picking up another instrument. But we have a wonderful array of instruments here in the home that makes it really fun when everybody's over. Who are your musical inspirations? Mm, Barbara Mandrell, for one, that's for sure. As I'm older now, though, I, I love everything from Elvis, Nat King Cole, Natalie Cole. I love the bluesy sounds. I love a jazz sound. 
influences why the wise Shania Twain, of course, came out at a time that I was in my twenties and I thought she was just amazing and powerful. Loved her style. I love that she had that different edge. She was definitely a huge influence. But for me, because of having so many kids throughout the ages and being influenced with a lot of rock and different contemporary music that was out there, there's a lot of rock sound in my voice as well. So we kind of honed in our own style that I didn't want to be Carrie Underwood. I didn't want to be somebody else. I really found my own sound and style. And that was fun to watch that evolve. You're going back now, your career has, has spanned oh, quite a while now. Do you remember your very first paid singing gig? Ooh, first paid singing gig. Yes, I believe it was in the very early 2000s. I joined a cover band, the Silverados. They're still friends of mine to this day. And we were doing all the concerts in the park around Southern California. That was the first time I was getting paid to sing and on a nice size stage with big audiences. All the times before that was kind of growing up singing in the school and church choirs. So that was the first time that there was actually some paid money involved coming to me. And it was that experience with the Silverados. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. I learned my stage presence. I learned how to read an audience. I learned how to work with a band and a team and put a set list together and all the things that went with that before I went out on my own. Was it mostly all covers? It was all covers at that time. That's all yeah. they did. And they still, they're still out there performing. I love it. They you still ever get, out there. They ever call you back and say, hey, you want to come out for the old time sakes? You know, they haven't. And I've been wanting to go and see them perform. I don't know if they would pull me back up on stage. It's been so long right. and I would never want to infringe. They have two other, you know, wonderful female singers. And then one of the other girls is the original. I don't know if they would pull me up. Maybe we'll find out this summer. I'll, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to check out their summer schedule. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to go do a surprise cameo appearance and see what happens. <laughs> Continuing, on, though, with your, <laughs> Continuing on with your music career though, you, you just released a new EP last year, yes. Love yes. Another Day. That how, long was an, EP, how long did the EP take to come together? And you know what about it has you most excited? Well, what was exciting is it came out of the magic of COVID. Like you see sitting here saying, what can, what can I do? What can I create? And I got a call out of the blue from one of my longtime relationships and dear friends, James in Nashville, who believed in me for 18 years. He started out as my manager when I first went to Nashville in 04. And he said, Amy, would you like to finally record your dream project? Yes, who says no to that? <laughs> Why not? I'd love to get out of this office, first of all. Second of all, yes, to do my dream project. So we started the song selection process, and that took about six months. He went through a thousand songs. We, and then we narrowed it down to a couple hundred, and we had to narrow it down to five. So that was a big process. Fred Mullen, the producer, said yes. But what I love, the musicians were home. He was home. Everybody was home. They weren't out touring. They didn't have other big projects. So I was kind of able to squeeze in in a really beautiful time and put this together in a way that was just an absolute dream. Some of the, the greatest musicians on the planet are in this project. Fred is one of the most iconic producers. And so five songs came out. And as he said, when we did the song pitching sessions with some of the publishers, he said, she's a mature artist. We don't want any tattoos, guns, trucks. <laughs> we want positive music. And that's what we found that really represented who I am and what my business is about. I am a mature artist. And that's what came out of this. And we released that music the beginning of January 2022. And I am so grateful for the results that it's had. Tell my listeners about the single, the hit single that came off of it. What if it all goes right? The minute I saw the title, before I even listened to the song, I said, that's my theme. That's it right there. What if it goes right? And so I listened to it and said, I can do this one. Asked for the permission. That one went into the project right away. Hands down, knew we were doing that. And in studio, there was definitely some magic that took place when we recorded it. And even in the moment, Fred took off his earphones and said, oh my God, everybody, that's a hit. 
And I knew that this was just going to resonate, resonate with a lot of individuals. Releasing it in 2022 as we're starting to come out of that pandemic. We're starting to open back up a little bit. People want to be inspired. They want to see their lives come back. I think it was a magical, perfect timing for me with that song, with what was taking place in the world. And so it was able to really be well-received with Radio Worldwide. The video did very well. And I was able to do a, a digital and more of an organic approach right from here. I didn't tour with this one. I just put it out there and said, let's see what happens. And I'm so thankful for the results and for those that have loved that song and are still loving it to this day. And it's still a part of my public speaking and still being promoted and used. And I'm, I'm really happy about that. That's awesome. Okay. Amy has a special treat now for Duval Nation. Here is her latest single, What If It All Goes Right. you're taking is a dead end what if love leaves you all jaded and broken what if that limb breaks your climbing out on yeah what if it all goes wrong strong what if this time nothing goes
You know, um, you mentioned earlier, you know, your influences. You know, you got a lot of timeless classic artists in there, Elvis and and such. Who would be a dream collaboration for you? Wow. Besides Garth Brooks. I know I have to tell you, just a few weeks ago, I saw Sting. That would be a dream collaboration. Man after my own heart. That was a bucket list concert. He is incredible. And that talk about it, just a, a perfect voice, just a musical genius. That would hit that would hit all cylinders for me. That would be the one. You go up to Vegas for his residency? He did. No, he has he was only there for like six days. It was amazing. Oh, that's awesome. At Caesars. I, most expensive concert I've ever been to in my entire life. Um, it was a last minute thing. We couldn't get tickets. This was before Ticketmaster and all that stuff. We got to see the police. Oh. in Dallas, Texas. Wow. And we bought, me and my my late father now, uh, went down there and we bought tickets off a of scalper. We were touching <laughs> the top of the arena and we paid $600 a piece to see the original lineup for the police in wow. 2009, I think it was. Aren't you so glad you did though? Oh, God, yeah. You, you cannot can't. put a dollar figure on that. No. He did all of his hits on this last show just a few weeks ago and it was just... I've been such a fan of his for so many years. I think he's just, anytime you can see an artist that only has one name, you know, you're at the right show. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel. <laughs> you know, the thing about Sting though, is he's taking such good care of his voice. Yes. I mean, he can still, and he still harmonizes. He still hits those notes. He was flawless. Um, exactly. A hundred percent agree. Uh, this is kind of taken to a serious place real fast. Being a musician. Sure. I ask all the musicians who come on my show, this one question, and that is, what are your opinions on streaming services? I'm thankful that it's allowed the music to be more visible because I, when I was touring that we didn't have the streaming services yet. I think just iTunes, but it was a lot harder to get onto iTunes. I'm thankful for what it allows as far as visibility and having a stronger reach. I wish though it hadn't taken away from the ability to really monetize more on the sale of music. So there's that give and take that I have to now, before we could we could sell CDs, I could sell the whole thing. There was, there was at least a product to sell that's not the case anymore. I have to hope somebody wants to download it, but most of the time right. they're just streaming. So I can't look at it as a monetization anymore. I have to look at it as a really great tool that I can use to monetize the other services and professions that I, that I have. So I think for that, there's been a lot of give and take. For artists that that's all they do, this is hard. But again, now you have millions of, of listeners that you wouldn't have had. And it is hard. Touring is hard. Town to town, shaking hands, kissing babies, radio station, TV station, do the show the next night. It's hard work. Being a professional musician and a touring musician, do you get most of your revenue from, is it the booking, the venue, or do you use it from like merchandise sales? It was always the appearance, the booking itself, getting the right shows and being paid still, even paid to speak, paid to sing. That is that is the highest and best return yeah. for me. Fair enough. Me. So. I'm the product. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. I have to be on. I have to be healthy. I have to be well. If I really want to monetize on what I can provide, it's it's me. Mm. I want to move on to the other side of your business life. And that is, you know, you've hosted a plethora of notable shows. Mm -hmm. What do you enjoy about being in front of the camera and where do you find that confidence? 
I think that the performing definitely helped all those years of, like I said, touring and radio station to TV station. If I watched some of my first TV interviews when I was touring, ouch, I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> right. So I had, I had that learning curve there by being a performer that other individuals who are starting TV shows or going on camera or even put on podcasting and YouTube channels, they haven't had that experience. So I definitely had a leg up with being comfortable in my own skin and in front of an audience. So for me, the camera is just picturing that same audience. What is so great about the TV hosting part and what I loved about that, because it was all interviews with great professionals, community leaders, nonprofits, people that are making a difference, hopefully in their business, and their communities. And so I was able to sit in a seat and say, I get to help you come alive today. I get to bring the best out in you. I've had my moments. This isn't my moment behind the camera. I just pretend it's not there. I'm already comfortable. This is about taking someone else who's probably nervous, unsure of their talking points and saying, how can I help you shine the most? And I think by leveling up that energy, it was always a win. I would watch somebody come in maybe nervous or unsure and then see them come alive. And by asking the right questions, like you, you've prepared, you're doing the same thing. You get it. I love this interview because you know what that's like to say, I'm going to, I'm going to pull the best out of that person. And that's what I loved. I loved the production. I love the back end, understanding what takes place start to finish of putting a TV show together and all that goes with it. And I think that was really such incredible learning curves for me and incredible experience. Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Amy Scruggs. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long deep breaths. You know that's right, Cluzo style. Please give your attention to a few friends of my show and we will be right back. Welcome to Wine Chats with Bildo and Lindalyn. My name is Billy Milovanovich, a.k.a. Bildo. My name is Lindsay Kirkwood, also known as Lindalyn. And this is our offensively funny podcast about drinking wine and chatting life. Some of our previous topics include conspiracy theories. I know somebody that thinks the world's flat. What? Like a real person? Yes. Body ailments. I'm going to go from toes up because I have a lot. <laughs> no, seriously, you laugh, but I have so many this body ailments. This is what ailments. happens with age, guys. And I know. And orgasms. I'm a little bit frustrated and it just hasn't been happening. I, I'm trying, Henry's trying, we're all trying, but when orgasming is good, it's good. Basically, we talk about all the things that you would generally talk about over wine with your girlfriends. New episodes out each Monday. Chat, Chat soon. Hello Duval Nation, Derek Duval here. Mental health is not only a top priority in my life, but it should be in yours too. As a combat military veteran, I have seen what untreated mental health looks like, which is why I've been using a therapist for well over a decade. Seeing a trusted therapist has helped me reconcile life events and other important things I've been witness to since returning home from the service and has changed my life for the better in many ways. Which is why going forward I am pleased to announce that BetterHelp will be sponsoring The Derek DeBall Show. BetterHelp is the world's first therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality 
you can expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. More scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. That's BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. Hey, it's Michelle Fabre, and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. You can hear my brand new single, I'm All That I Need, on all streaming platforms right now. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts! Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on warriors. We've got this. I'm Billy Dees and host of the self-titled podcast, The Billy Dees Podcast. We are primarily an interview and a commentary-based podcast featuring authors and creators talking about their craft, advocates for community issues, and myself and an array of co-hosts discussing current events. There's no partisan ranting and raving going on here, just great content. You can find The Billy Dees Podcast on your favorite platform and on Twitter at Billy Dees. Thank you, and I hope you listen in. Hey there, this is Chad from Larkin, and you are listening to The Derek Duvall Show. You can find all of our releases on No Records out of Long Beach, that's K-N-O-W, or you can find them on almost all streaming services, and we hope to see you around down the next gig. Cheers. All content is comrades like lions at bay, from South Dublin Union, poor death and dismay. But what was there often the invaders then saw? All the dead khaki soldiers in Erin go bra. Janae Sergio, arriving. Hello, everyone. This is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 168 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with media personality and musician, Amy Scruggs. I do want to talk to you about your book. 
lights, camera, action, media coaching for any professional in today's digital world. First off, great title. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Where did the inspiration come from to write this book? Back to that fun pandemic again, sitting here going, oh my goodness, I just spent you know four years on camera as a TV host. I've had all these years of performing. I'm already helping media coach individuals. I think if there's any time that I have some free time to do a book and put pen to paper, it's that. But what was fun about this book is it's not just me airing out all of my ideas. I reached out to my network who were also home in quarantine, and I reached out to some really great professionals of different industries and said, would you contribute? I wanted to hear from them and have them give their insight on the power of first impressions and the art of crafting the right message and why it's important to watch the tape. So I reached out to some pretty key leaders and they all said yes, because they also were sitting at home. I think it was really just taking advantage of this incredible opportunity of being locked up per se and saying, how can I do this? So I'm really proud of the work because it wasn't just me, but it was my network. And that's what came out of this to hopefully continue from here forward, helping professionals of any industry have some of those little tips and tricks to be better at how they present themselves, how they communicate, how they are a better guest on a podcast. If they want to start a podcast, what it takes, what you need to know to really be able to articulate and put yourself out there. I 100% agree. What sort of ideas, though, are you promoting in the book? Really having an awareness and a self-awareness, how you speak. What's your face looks like? You know, that's the number one thing I end up working with with professionals as a coach as well is their face. And it's such a personal topic, but we see a lot of scowls, a lot of unusual resting faces, people really unaware of what they're presenting and projecting when they're on camera or even just in one-on-one communications or public speaking. And so finding where those commonalities are and saying, how can we bring this out? How can we help find your best? How can you create that self-awareness, some exercises to do that? How they craft their message of values, power of storytelling, all of things that go into effective communication. And so the book has a lot of simple, easy bite-sized things that anybody can do regardless of their level of where they're wanting to be as far as being comfortable in front of an audience. But we're all in front of an audience, even in front of our loved ones. We are all communicating and there's something that everybody can take from this. I agree. So I've read the reviews on Amazon and what have you. Uh, What has the overall reception to the book been like? Very positive. It's fun to see how those that enjoy it have also maybe come and heard me speak or I'm working with on coaching as well. I'm thankful for the reviews that those have said, this really helped me. I I had a takeaway from this. I'm implementing this in my business now. My social media is actually better because I'm recording better cell phone videos. So I'm seeing some really good responses of people that are just saying, you know, I got that one thing. And for me, if somebody gets that one thing, it might just be that they remember to clean their lens before they take a video or a picture. If that's all that's Somebody takes from the book. Fantastic. We have less blurry videos. And how many times have you interviewed somebody? Maybe you can see them and their camera is blurry because they're looking at one right now. <laughs> no, not me. That's you. <laughs> you have to clean the lens. So it's right. really some fun, relatable things in there and stories in there. And also other people, uh, I had other clients, previous clients that shared their story. And so the reviews on there, I think people are connecting to it because they can find something they can relate to within the book. That's awesome. Thank so you. how would one not only, you know, find that message, but what would be the best way to deliver it effectively? You have to know, first of all, what you want, who you are, or what you're selling if it's your business. If it's your nonprofit or your outreach, what is your mission? What is it you're doing? We tend to talk to fill space. 
but really saying, what is this purpose? Am I here? Am I, whatever it is I'm doing, am I inspiring? Am I being funny? Am I providing a warning? Am I educating? What is it that I'm trying to do with what I'm going to share? Am I a guest on a podcast? What am I there to do? Am I there to empower, to teach, to share maybe my inspirational story? Then you have to look and say, what is the overall message? And then you craft it from there instead of just being all over the place without really a purpose or a direction of where it's going. You've been a public speaker now for quite a while. What sort of workshops and ideas do you promote when you're invited to come and speak to a group? Definitely what we're speaking of today of self-awareness, confidence, the power of media, though. The one that the presentation I give the most now is really helping organizations, companies, and nonprofits. I speak to a lot of nonprofits. I'm understanding really the power of media, the power of what we're doing right here today. I'm saying, I want to meet you. You've taken the time to build this great show and to put this out there for us. I'm honored that you've asked me to be a part of it. And what a great opportunity to share my message. What a great opportunity for us to connect and have a great conversation that maybe can help another individual. But there's so many wonderful professionals and outreaches out there that are not utilizing these tools we have today. They are still back in 2018, 2019, not utilizing traditional media. My goodness, if you're an outreach and you're out there making a difference in your community, Community, call the news, call the paper, let them know you're doing it. They want those stories. So when I go on stage and do my presentation, really from the heart, sharing some actionable items that people can do right away to level up their visibility, to do it the right way, get past those insecurities, self-awareness, effective communication, bundle that all together to start creating a better front. I've had many public speakers on my show, TED Talkers and such. I've asked them all the same question. And as you know, and you brought it up earlier, is you know, what are the common mistakes people make while doing public speaking? Because I get a I get a, a variety of answers to this question. <laughs> the two things that I really notice with anyone that isn't taking taking the time to effectively learn how to communicate and be on stage is number one, the filler words. Um, so yeah. Um, in between mm. also not reading their audience, you know, when you're losing your audience, you've got to get it back. You have to know your message so much that you're keened into your audience and not your talking points because you eat, sleep and breathe them. You've got to start a sentence with a sentence and don't fidget. Don't pace on the stage, make calculated moves to go and engage with your audience to each side of the stage. You know, it's amazing. I've been doing digital editing now for oh, well over a decade, and I can spot an um on a wave file without even without even hearing the edit. Yeah, there's, a, there's an um right there, and you just delete it right out the thing. So it is a common, common thing. What's fun is when I really help a professional get rid of those filler words and watching their communication change. It's just there's no reason for it. The ums are not necessary. Mm -hmm. I agree. All right. So here's the philosophical question. You ready? Yes. You get a chance to talk to your younger self. What do you say to her? Hang on for a wild ride. Do not give up. Do not lose hope. And keep expanding your network and your horizons. Because today is never the end of the story. You're creating the story day after day after day. And to not limit yourself. I did not know when I was younger to not limit myself. At 50 now, I get it. Take it on and bring it on. Love it. All right. So what's next for you? 
I'm hoping to do more music up in the next year or two ahead. That would be fantastic. I'm expanding more on my public speaking. I have a lot of uh, larger public speaking engagements coming up. So being back in front of a live audience has been really exciting, especially this past year. So I'm hoping to level up to more in-person events and meetings and encouraging and working with companies on site now instead of just virtually. So I think taking a little bit more away from the virtual life that I have and still have in my coaching and putting it back out there in person, I think is the biggest goal. Nice. As we enter the final phase of this interview, I always like to ask one fun question. That is, when you aren't speaking, singing, or or writing, what do you like to do for fun? How do you relax? My husband and I love to go listen to live music. Mm. We love to sit down at any place with a nice martini, whether we've got a sunset view or a music view. We love finding new restaurants and new spots to just go and relax and enjoy. And I think that's what we really look forward to. The minute I'm done working and we golf. So that helps too. Wow. That's, you got one up on me already. I've played golf and I've lost more balls than I could care to count. So. Oh, they get lost, but it's fun. <laughs> I, I, real fast. My uncle um, over in the UK, he is actually a professional golfer. And he came over to see me and what have you. And he said, let's go golfing. I'm like, okay, this could be bad. <laughs> and I lost 22 balls. And at one point no. he actually was like, keep your head down. Come on. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. Oh, that's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. I don't know if I would have wanted to have golfed with him either. I think oh. I liked a little less pressure on that, yeah. on that golf assignment, but it is fun. <laughs> he, he finished three under. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I would have uh, quit. Yeah. So what would have been the 19th hole. <laughs> I actually, believe it or not, the one time I connected with the ball, I hit the clubhouse. Nice. So, no, not nice. They never welcomed me back. So, <laughs> all right. So, what would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? Well, luckily, Amy Scruggs is not a common name. So please just put Amy Scruggs into any social media online. You just Google Amy Scruggs, Amy Scruggs Media. You cannot miss me. Scruggs into Spotify. You cannot miss me. I'm the easiest person to find. And thankfully the algorithms like me. So I would love, I answer my, my DMs. I answer my messages. I'm easy to reach and love doing workshops, coaching and encouraging other professionals to just take that next level up. That's amazing. All right, Amy, I am my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is this, if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of earth? Take the limits off. Don't think small. Think big. It's okay. Don't sweat the small stuff. And watch and see what can unfold in your life. All right. The book is Lights, Camera, Action, Media Coaching for Any Professional in Today's Digital World, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. And the EP, Love Another Way, is streaming wherever you get your music. Amy, congratulations on all your success. Uh, thanks for taking the time to come on the show today. You are welcome back anytime. Thank you. It was an honor to be with you today. Thank you so much. And just like that, Devon Nation, we come to the end of episode 168. I want to thank Amy for taking the time to come on the show today. What a delightful woman. And I wish nothing but the absolute best for her future endeavors. Maybe if we are lucky, we can have her back on the show again. Okay, tune again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I have a really good one coming up in a few days, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for the episode to drop. Also, I think it's fair to ask you, the listener, have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope you have, so please go and hit that subscribe button to keep up to date for when new episodes drop. Also, if you're feeling generous, drop us a review. We love reading what listeners have to say about us, good or bad. We are still enjoying our partnership with the amazing Tee Public. The Derek Duvall Show has a great little store on there. And with everything with our logo on it, including magnets, stickers, and mugs, plus 
We have some really fun t-shirts on there that Mrs. Duvall and I added ourselves. So please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com. Go to the banner on the left that says Merch. Click that, and you will be taken to our store on TeePublic. And once again, I want to thank them for being such great partners with the show. On behalf of myself and the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, what are you doing to manage your mental health this coming weekend? I hope you go for a walk outside. Take your shoes and socks off and stand on the grass. You will be amazed at how amazing it feels on your feet, and research has shown it will decrease stress by 62%. Nostar, God bless, and see you next time, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvalShow.com for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duval Show.